Thanks for listening to this episode of the Amateur Austinite. If you'd like to donate on Ko-Fi, you can gain access to an extended version of this episode, or you can purchase it for download. The link is in the notes. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Amateur Austinite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My guest today is the returning Amy. Kia ora. Today we're going to discuss letter six of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. Amy, previously you mentioned briefly that you didn't have much experience with Austen potentially. Mm -hmm. What was your first introduction to Austen? The first knowing introduction to Austen in the sense of like this is an Austen thing that I am actively consuming and am aware that it is an Austen thing was probably Lizzie Bennet Diaries when they were running. So you watched it in its original run in 2012? Yes. I was an internet person. I was actively watching them as they came out. And then I missed like three episodes, got distracted and wandered off. I'm sure that like Austin references or parodies or whatever popped up in things that I was watching before then. But I never recognized them as actively referencing Austin because I didn't recognize what they were referencing. I have another web series to recommend to you called Rational Creatures. It is a queer modern adaptation of Persuasion by Jane Austen. Ooh. It's currently screening its second season. Actually, by the time this comes out, the entire series will be finished. You've agreed to read Letter 6 for us. I have. Letter 6. Mrs. Vernon to Mr. de Courcy. Churchill. Well, my dear Reginald, I have seen this dangerous creature and must give you some description of her, though I hope you will soon be able to form your own judgment. She is really excessively pretty. However, you may choose to question the allurements of a lady no longer young. I must, for my own part, declare that I have seldom seen so lovely a woman as Lady Susan. She is delicately fair, with fine grey eyes and dark eyelashes, and from her appearance one would not suppose her more than five and twenty though she must in fact be ten years older. I was certainly not disposed to admire her, though always hearing she was beautiful, but I cannot help feeling that she possesses an uncommon union of symmetry, brilliancy, and grace. Her address to me was so gentle, frank, and even affectionate, that if I had not known how much she has always disliked me for marrying Mr. Vernon, and that we had never met before, I should have imagined her an attached friend. One is apt, I believe, to connect assurance of manner with coquetry, and to expect that an impudent address will necessarily attend an impudent mind. At least I was myself prepared for an improper degree of confidence in Lady Susan, but her countenance is absolutely sweet, and her voice and manner winningly mild. I am sorry it is so, for what is this but deceit? Unfortunately, one knows her too well. She is clever and agreeable, has all the knowledge of the world which makes conversation easy, and talks very well with a happy command of language, which is too often used, I believe, to make black appear white. She has already almost persuaded me of her being warmly attached to my daughter, though I have been long convinced of the contrary. She speaks of her with so much tenderness and anxiety, lamenting so bitterly the neglect of her education, which she represents, however, as wholly unavoidable that I am forced to recollect how many successive springs her ladyship spent in town while her daughter was left in Stratfordshire to the care of servants or a governess very little better to prevent my believing whatever she says. If her manners have so great an influence on my resentful heart, you may guess how much more strongly they operate on Mr. Vernon's generous temper. 
I wish I could be as well satisfied as he is that it was really her choice to leave Langford for Churchill, and that if she had not stayed three months there before she discovered that her friend's manner of living did not suit her situation or feelings, I might have believed that concern for a loss of such a husband as Mr. Vernon, to whom her own behaviour was far from unexceptionable, might for a time make her wish for retirement. But I cannot forget the length of her visit to the Mannerings, and when I reflect on the different mode of life which she led with them, from that of which she must now submit, I can only suppose that the wish of establishing her reputation by following through late the path of propriety occasioned her removal from a family where she must in reality have been particularly happy. Your friend Mr. Smith's story, however, cannot be quite true, as she corresponds regularly with Mrs. Mannering. At any rate, it must be exaggerated. It is scarcely possible that two men should be so grossly deceived by her at once. Yours, etc., Catherine Vernon. When I first attempted to read Lady Susan, I could not get into it. I think the letters, the former's epistolary, what I found helpful is YouTube readings of Lady Susan. And they had different voices for the different characters. You could know who was talking and you got the expressions. And that helped me get into Lady Susan so much more. Now I can hear their voices when I'm reading it. They have a very distinctively different writing style between each letter. It is one of the hard things with letters and when your novel doesn't have the just genuine novel descriptions, you know, he leant down and picked up a glass, she smiled prettily, all that stuff. It makes it a lot harder to build the picture of what's going on. And especially with letters, there's the aspect of whatever has happened in this letter has already been done, dusted, sealed months ago because we are now reading a letter that has been sent and received. And therefore, it can change your perception of time in what you're reading because you don't have that same immediacy that action following action has. And it's one of the issues I have when reading this novel in particular, that people will give a chronological story of events rather than talk about the really big thing that happened at the end. Because if you were writing a letter, you'd start at the end with the big thing and then you might work your way back but you might not say those other things at all. Yeah, you start with the bomb that has happened, the reason that you've decided to write to this person. Especially, they're all reasonably short letters. Like, I could understand if it was the building over the course of a week, each paragraph or so as you, you know, at the end of the day, finished off a little bit more letter. That's not the impression that you get from these. The impression that you get from letter six is sitting down at the desk, slamming pen to page and being like, this just happened and I need to say how angry I am at this person being in my house. I need to write it down. I need it immortalized so that I cannot forget how angry I am at her. The audacity of Lady Susan. The audacity. I am in love with Lady Susan. Me too. Her address to me was so gentle, frank, and even affectionate. I should have imagined her an attached friend. She's never met her sister-in-law. Just going up to her, darling, it's so good to see you. Let's forget about the fact that she tried to stop them getting married. Oh, why would you let a little thing like that get in between family? I love that Mrs. Vernon refers to her as a dangerous creature. She has the best epithets the whole way through this novel. Everyone calls her the most despicable things, and I love it. 
Frankly, if I do not have someone calling me a ridiculous epithet at some point during my life, have I truly lived? Have you tried hard enough? That is the question. So Austin doesn't tend to do much visual descriptions of characters, which is something I like. But when I do that in my books, people are like, and what does the character look like? What color are their eyes? What color is their hair? The most we get here is Lady Susan is excessively pretty, delicately fair with fine gray eyes and dark eyelashes. And then how is she managing to look 25 when she's 35? You've also got to remember that age at this point means different things. They're talking about her at 35 like she's over the hill. The ideal age for marrying apparently was 19. I read an article that pointed at during the Regency period. 19 was the ideal time. As we talked about in our last episode when we were together, Lydia Bennett gets married at 16. In that same novel, Charlotte Lucas gets married at 27. But Charlotte Lucas was basically on the shelf. If you're getting past 22, you should probably be married by now. There is the suggestion that something is wrong that is preventing you from getting married, and that is why it's not happening, rather than you are, you know, not getting the acceptable offer. It is, there is not an offer to be accepted. By Regency timeframes, Lady Susan is over the hill, Mm -hmm. but she looks younger. The whole point of marrying a woman, well, there are several points, to run your household, but also to produce ears. And as she's 35, it's going to be more difficult for her to produce an ear. Even now, it's referred to as a geriatric pregnancy. So she doesn't have a lot of worth as a woman because she is not of childbearing age and because she has no money. So why would anyone be interested in her? But she looks younger and she is so seductive. She's clever and agreeable and has all the knowledge of the world, which makes conversation easy talks well, and can convince you that black is white, white is black, up is down, down is up, and that you should definitely uh, be both cheating on your wife and uh, that he should be leaving his uh, partner and that that'll all be fine and nothing could possibly go wrong. Make black appear white made me think that in modern times, Lady Susan would work in advertising. She'd be so great. 100%. Lady Susan in modern times is a terrifying like spin doctor PR person who comes in and cleans up your scandal by making someone else's scandal infinitely worse. The ultimate girl boss. Ultimate girl boss. She would be terrifying. You can't take your eyes off her. Mm. Compelling? Compelling. You can't look away like a car crash. Like, actually, though. (laughs) Her countenance is absolutely sweet, so she manages to appear like she's a lovely person as well. And her voice and manner, winningly mild. Yeah, which is nothing like anything that we have experienced of Lady Susan up to this point. No letter has suggested that this woman is mild. Mild like a ghost pepper. I love that we can actually see Lady Susan's letters so we know who she is because then you get such more delight at seeing how she's tricking everybody. And it is one of the things where I think the letter format does come in really well is that you don't have to see the conversation between Lady Susan and Miss Vernon as a 
actual dialogue taking place and explaining what's going on. You don't have to try and dissect the lines of dialogue to see how these are being managed. You just get to read the impression and the sheer baffled fury that this woman has that Lady Susan could even try. One of the other things about the letter format that stands out with me in particular with this letter is I would have assumed Reggie would have packed his bag and ran there as fast as he could, right? I'm shocked he's not already there. I, I was expecting him there last week, last month. I was expecting Lady Susan appeared and like in a hoof of dust and audacity, so appears Reggie. The reason he's not there is so Mrs. Verna has someone to write this letter to. Because otherwise we don't get her frank opinion of Lady Susan's arrival. She can't tell anyone else because either they are not close enough to be able to tell this kind of thing to, or they are Lady Susan. (laughs) She does write to her mother, but I think the conversation between her and her brother is different. Yes. Well, I mean, it has to be. Like, you can't necessarily go up to your mum and be like, wow, my sister-in-law is a bitch. All this hot goss. You can't express that. You can't necessarily be like, hey, hey, mama, I think my husband's sister is a massive slag. (laughs) It doesn't come across quite so well. And we've seen her letters to her mother, and she's very formal and precise and considered in those letters. She is just as formal, precise, and considered in this letter, but that consideration as how fucking dare you. (laughs) But she can see how Lady Susan works. She said her manners have such a great influence on my resentful heart. It's already starting to work on me, so you know that my husband is already completely enthralled to her. Yeah, my husband took one look at her and was like, ah, Nothing could possibly ever be her fault. She has such a sweet face. She looks so innocent. He must have known she was the one trying to stop him get married and trying to stop him buy the family home. There's so many layers of like, how does this man function in his daily life that he is immediately swept up in Lady Susan? Or how terrifyingly good at this is Lady Susan that... This entire pre-existing history can just be immediately brushed aside as no big deal. It's fine. I'm so glad to see you again. Wasn't all those events just awful? At least we're all together now. And then you just slowly push Catherine out of the the way. I'm sure she plays the I'm a poor lonely widow card. 100%. Her, Her husband's just died, right? It's only been a couple of months. Yeah, but she's already convinced two men to fall in love with her in the yes, meantime. she has. Mrs. Vernon is doubting. It's scarcely possible that two men should be so grossly deceived by her at once. It's working. Because she's also talking about that possibly Lady Susan is now looking to retire. Her husband died. She had a little weird fling thing at the Mannerings. And... Perhaps she's realized that that is not the life she wants to live and she wants to be a good and honest person and that is why she's shown up. I mean, she's wrong, but she thinks it might be possible. Which shows just how good Lady Susan is. Yeah, she's terrifyingly good. At the point of recording, we're almost at the end of doing the group read with the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand and one of the members was not enjoying the book until it finished and she felt a sense of relief to know exactly what was going to happen because she was worried the whole time 
about Lady Susan and what she was possibly going to do. Yeah, because you can't see what Lady Susan is doing. You see what Lady Susan tells you. You see that in her letters. You see that in how she treats other people and what other people write in the letters. But you don't actually get to know what Lady Susan is planning properly and how she's going to be doing it. You just get to see the disaster. You get to walk into the room that is already on fire and be like, surely not this pretty young 25-year-old woman did this. She's so sweet and innocent. And in fact, she's told me the room isn't on fire, so it must be fine after all. That is a perfect way of describing Lady Susan. I still want to be her. I know, me too. She's like the classic mean girl. What's the line that they always say, all the guys want to do her and all the girls want to be her? Yeah, something like that. Again, Catherine is bringing up the daughter in that way where it's like, she talks about my child so lovingly, so sweetly, so gloriously, that I have to remind myself that she ditched her own kid in the care of the serving staff for ages. It has to be a conscious reminder that any time Lady Susan is speaking sweetly about children, it is only because she wants to be in your good graces. She does not give two rats about a child. And the impression everybody has of Frederica, Miss Vernon, is very heavily based on what Lady Susan is telling them as well. Because no one's really met the child? We only have rumours of her from Mr Smith, but they probably didn't see her very much. Frankly, that child needs a better family environment. Said it before, I'll say it again, I will keep saying it until it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our discussion on Letter 6 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com, on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan, and on Instagram at Francis Duncan Does. Thank you for listening, and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!